In March of 2022, our family was forced to evacuate from Ukraine. We have served as missionaries in Lviv for over 20 years, and now, like so many others, we find ourselves suddenly displaced from our home, our church, and our precious Ukrainian friends. But despite the shock of evacuation, God is opening doors and leading us step by step down this new path. Our purpose is to bless and minister to Ukrainians affected by the war. Come with us as we share our stories, striving to serve God, bless people, and praying that someday soon, this journey will lead us back to our beloved Ukraine. Hello, everybody. Joshua and Kelsey here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Journey to Ukraine podcast. Well, as always, it's there's been more time passed than we had expected since our last episode, and sometimes it just seems like the intensity over here never lets up. Uh, but we're glad you're with us today, and we hope you'll stick with us uh, for the full episode. We do have quite a bit to share with you this time. Right. And first up, unfortunately, we have what may be a little bit of sad news. Uh, sad for us and hopefully for our listeners too, um, that is that this will be the final episode of the Journey to Ukraine podcast. So Joshua, we came to this decision not long ago. Maybe tell us a little bit more about how we arrived there. Yes. Uh, So as Kelsey said, we've decided to bring the podcast to a close. But before I elaborate on that decision, let me clarify what this announcement does not mean. Firstly, this does not mean the end of our work in Ukraine, not by a long shot or even our online reporting. This does not mean that the war is ended or that the crisis in Ukraine is over. And this does not mean uh, that we won't be coming back to podcasting in the future. We've actually enjoyed that and it's a possibility. So what does it mean and and why have we made this decision now? We started the podcast uh, because when war broke out in Ukraine, we needed to publish frequent updates quickly. We were were under air raid sirens, things were moving fast. We didn't know exactly you know, how how the situation would develop. And at the time, we found that audio updates were easier to do. We started out just grabbing phones, I think, and dictating messages and sending them out. Um, and this kind of gave our family and friends uh, perhaps a more personal connection, hearing our voices and so forth. What you may not know is that prior to all of this, we had already been planning to launch uh, a podcast of our own. We had, While we had been in the States, we gathered some gear, we watched training videos, and we had gotten all prepared and just arrived back in Ukraine. So since, having, since we had already kind of laid the foundation for a podcast and we were now dealing with all these audio updates, we decided to just roll them into a full-fledged podcast because that made distribution easier. Um, And really, this format has worked very well over the past 18 months since we've launched it. We've had good response. People have enjoyed it. But now we are moving into a new season of our life and ministry. We are back in Ukraine, as all of you hopefully know by now. And while the war is far from over, we have achieved a measure of stability here in Lviv. Podcasting does take time, uh, especially as we've kind of evolved our system and the way we do things now. Uh, We script every episode. We have, you know, recording and editing you know, we try to we try to keep the the quality bar as high as possible, um, and we feel at this point that our time could be better spent in other areas. So, what's next for reporting? How are we going to keep in touch uh, with uh, you know what what's going on in our ministry? Well, as always has been for years and years with our ministry, the main point of contact is our blog. Hopefully, you all know it by now. But if not, that is ofreport.com. O as in overseas, F as in field report. 
um, ofreport.com, and we'll we'll have links to that in the show notes. In fact, I think there are links to that in every episode. Um, so that's our main point of contact. If you forget how to get in touch with us, if you don't know what's going on, if you're confused, just go to ofreport.com, and you should find the latest that we have available on that site. Um, we also plan to continue publishing our print newsletter, Overseas Field Report. And although these uh, these publications will be less frequent than the blog posts, for the time being, we do plan to keep them coming. So um, you can, if you're not already, we encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to ofreport.com slash subscribe. And again, that link will also be in the show notes. You can enter your email address there. If you're already subscribed, it will just tell you that. Um, if you're not, you'll be added to the list and you'll get all future updates that we put out through our blog. Now, the podcast, meaning the, the recorded episodes, will remain available for a time on all the major podcast apps, probably for a couple of months after we shut it down. But eventually those will drop off and you'll no longer be able to find the Journey to Ukraine podcast, say, on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. However, you should always be able to access the full set of 25 episodes on our blog by visiting ofreport.com slash podcast. Okay, well, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's episode, and so I'm going to start things off with a quick update about our family. Uh, one of the biggest milestones in our family recently has to do with our daughter, Abigail. Recently, at the end of September, she turned 18. Wow, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe we're old enough to have an 18-year-old. And we took Abby to Slovakia to visit friends for her birthday. We needed to get her out of the, out of Ukraine prior to her 18th birthday based on document requirements and things for her. And so we took her to Slovakia. We celebrated with friends there over the weekend. And then right after her birthday, we did a hard parenting thing and we put her on a plane to America to try spreading her wings a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so now Abby is in the U.S. She's with my parents. She's living with them, and they are helping her to look for a job. And our hope is for her to gain some life experience, learn to drive, have a job, and maybe start getting uh, get get started with some college studies, whether that be taking the SAT or actually enrolling in the spring in some courses. And so she's got that road in front of her. We think she might be in the U.S. at least through May or June of next year, but it just remains to be seen uh, how things go, and I think it'll be a step-by-step process of, of making decisions. So what about the rest of the family? Uh, we've been trying to find our feet ever since our move to Ukraine. Yep. feels like there's still a lot of loose ends left after that. And then we had our big summer Carpathian out- Mountain Outreach Project, and so now the dust has settled and we're kind of going, phew, now, you know, now where are we? Um, but we have been able to reestablish a good family rhythm. Um, Rebecca and Hosanna have started doing adult level Ukrainian lessons with Veronica, who taught Joshua, who taught me, who taught Nathan Day and various ones. And so they've been doing very well with that. Um, Hosanna is in guitar and horseback riding. So the kids are staying active. And then our younger children are doing homeschool with mama, and we've been studying the life and miracles of Jesus recently. So that's an overview of where we are right now. Let's go back, though, and talk about our summer outreach. 
Um, we, I think, Joshua, we told our listeners last time that we had big plans to host family concerts, which was a new thing for us. And we wanted to use those concerts as a means of gospel outreach, which would be in conjunction with our normal yearly Carpathian Mountain Outreach Project that we do in the summer. So August is the month that we hosted CMO, and that went by very quickly. Uh, Some of you may have followed some of our written ministry updates during that time, but Josh, go ahead and give us a recap of how things went and tell us um, especially about how those concerts went. Yes. So for the first time in nearly four years, uh, CMO returned for 2023. It was a smaller project this year for a variety of reasons, but we are glad to be back after having to skip several years. And those skips, if you recall, were initially due to the COVID uh, pandemic and then later because of the outbreak of war in Ukraine. So this year we were joined by Nathan Day. He came. His family has been in the States and uh, he came over for the project. We also had Bill Thompson, who was a young man who signed up Um, to be part of the CMO team. And I'll talk more about him in a moment. But uh, in addition to Nathan and Bill, we had Abigail and Hosanna, who were with us on the team for most of the day. So that was exciting. They made a great contribution. They had their backpacks. They went with us on the tracking trips to the mountains, the whole bit. And so we had a good team. Uh, Bill Thompson is the son of Hank and Amy Thompson. And Hank is a young man that I met years and years ago in Thailand at the same time that I met Nathan. Um, for those of you who don't know our story, I back in the early 2000s, I was part of a uh, multi-month project in Bangkok, Thailand, and it was similar to CMO, although that was before CMO days, and the purpose of that project was to train and disciple young men in missions, same thing that we do in CMO. And that was where I met Nathan Day, and I also met Hank Thompson. And after the Thailand project concluded, Nathan and Hank and I flew back to Ukraine together um, to you know, to kind of do a survey trip and see about future ministry opportunities. In the end, uh, Hank ended up going back and serving for several years as a missionary in Thailand, while Nathan stayed with me in Ukraine. So now, you know, fast forward nearly twenty years, and um, uh, Hank's Hank's son Bill came over, and because of the airspace being closed uh, in Ukraine. We actually had to go and meet Hank and Nathan at the airport in Krakow, Poland. And very interestingly, Krakow, Poland was where Hank, or one of the places that Hank and Nathan and I visited and did a photo op way, way back. And we did another updated photo op that we, we staged to look just the same um, as the original one. And it had Nathan, the original one had Nathan and Hank and myself. And we staged this new one with Nathan, myself, and then Bill standing in Hank's place. So if you're interested to see those photos, you can look on the... Um, on the ETO photo albums for for CMO, I'll leave a link to that, and you can see the the before and after yeah, photos. Bill looks a lot like his dad. So he really that. does, yeah. Um, so that was fun. Um, uh, we had a great project. We stayed busy. Uh, it was shorter than most projects are. It was about three weeks. Um, but one of the big changes this year was that instead of our traditional film showings that we've always done, we switched gears and did music concerts. And I think we talked about this or about the reasoning behind that in our last episode. But in a nutshell, the problem is that the film that we have shown, in fact, most of the films that we've shown for years are dubbed in Russian. They're American films like Fireproof or um, or Courageous, but the audio is dubbed in Russian. And that's not a problem for comprehension. People understand Russian around here, but as you might expect, right now because of political and cultural reason, reasons, uh, the Russian language is very poorly received. And so to do any kind of a public demonstration in Russian is pretty much a non-starter. 
And we knew this going into the co- to the uh, project. So we talked about alternatives and we decided to do these concerts. If you want to hear kind of our initial thinking and plans on that, listen to the last episode. But for this time, I want to give you a report of how they went. The first concert that we did was in a town about an hour or so east of Lviv called Bili Kamin, which, which translates to White Stone. And this concert was a huge success. In fact, it was bigger than anything we expected. In fact, it was at least as big, possibly bigger in in terms of attendance than any film showing we've ever had in the history of CMO. Our very, very first film showing in CMO was in a village called Tuchleb way back in 2006. And it was one of those showings that there were so many people present, we weren't able to get an accurate count. But based on the size of the theater where we did the film showing, we think there was probably around 300, between two and 300 in attendance. That was the same situation here. We came to Billy Common. We we brought all our gear, our family. We had a logistics support team from our church who were a huge help to us. We came there, and it was a pretty big. Um, we call them zals. It's like a theater, um, and I, I believe the theater seats between five and six hundred people. And we first got there, and there's this huge stage, and it's all empty. And you kind of wonder, wow, okay, I hope this, I hope this comes off. I hope we don't end up setting up all this gear and getting in costume and getting on the stage uh, to an empty theater. Um, but we had coordinated with people who were in charge down there. They had done the invitations. Um, we got our family there. We did a rehearsal. Then we went back to a, a back room to change into our costumes. We were, we were, we were wearing these, uh, they call them Bushavankas. It's the national uh, national like garb, embroidered shirt, right? Yeah. Mostly their shirts, and they have this this really nice needlework uh, embroidered on the front. So the whole family went back, and we got we got everybody changed into their into their costumes. And when we came back out into the Zal, it was packed with people, and most of them were soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, this area is one of the bases for the Ukrainian National Guard. And it seemed like they had all showed up. <laughs> um, there was just there the 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 the, uh, the room was absolutely filled with people, and we we were able to sing. We did our songs. We did uh, Ukrainian songs. We did American songs. We did Christian songs. Uh, we were able to you know have commentary and speak with them in between. And um, the whole presentation was very well received. They clapped. They whistled. Uh, they they obviously really really liked it. And at the end, of course, we gave away several boxes of the Good and Evil books to the soldiers. People came up. Uh, there was one soldier who came up and gave me one of his patches just as a, as a sign of gratefulness. Followed, following that, his, the, um, the commander of their unit came up, and we had quite a long conversation at the end. He also gave me a patch like from their, their unit there. So that was really Part encouraging. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I still got those patches. It's pretty special. But we were really excited for that opportunity. It was well received, and and it was it was encouraging to see that kind of the plan that we had formulated ended up turning into a success. And that was a that was a great door for sh- for uh, sharing the gospel. So our next concert during the project there um, happened at a hospital. We um, this was this was again in cooperation with the Radakhivsky Hospodeni um, organization that we've partnered with for humanitarian stuff. Um, they had set up an outreach or like a, not really an outreach, they'd set up kind of like a concert slash barbecue at a local hospital here in Lviv. And this hospital specializes in prosthetics for soldiers who have been wounded. So most of the ones there are ones who have lost arms and legs and artillery strikes and things like that. And so 
In this case, the people who were organizing this asked if our family would come to the hospital and go door to door and sing for the soldiers, specifically the ones who were not yet well enough to leave their room. There had been a concert with a lot of musicians that was planned uh, to take place on the hospital grounds outside, but there were some soldiers uh, who were still not yet able to leave their rooms to go out and attend that. So our family, uh, we, they led us into the hospital and our whole family there, the guitar, Nathan and Bill were with us. We had kind of this rolling cart of good and evils. Yeah. And we got in the elevator, went to the first floor, and we started down the hallway. And, and we had but, all our kids, of course, Yes, too. all the kids. They were warning us, like, tell your kids not to be disturbed if they see something that, you know, that is disturbing. Right. And uh, so we were telling them, okay, guys, you know, just smile and try to... Yeah, don't safe. stare, don't point, and just be aware that these these guys have had injuries because they've been in the war and they've been serving their country. In fact, that before we went into the hospital, there was a lady who works with the Radakivska team, and she's a psychologist, and she came up to me and she said, hey, um, I see you have small children and you're going to be going into this hospital. Do you think your children will do okay? Because some of these guys have pretty horrific injuries. And she, In fact, she warned me, she said, the first room you're going to go into the the soldier who's in there has lost his face. Uh, he was he was hit in the face, and he does not have a face essentially. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen children come in here who have just screamed and broken down and had and, and been traumatized by what they saw. And I said, well, thank you for that warning. I, I joked that uh, you know I, I have six kids, so I'm, I'm something of a psychologist myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, I, I we've never been in a situation like this, but we have talked with our kids. And I said, knowing my kids, I think they'll do okay. I think they'll do fine. So let's let's give it a try. And to be fair, for all that setup, I felt like it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Yeah. So everything was um, clean, and you know these guys were post operation and right. you know, things like that. So. Um, the kids did did well with it. They did. They did fine. So we went into the first room, and sure enough, there was this young man. I mean, he, he couldn't have been more than 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a projectile had probably hit him just below his nose. And if you can imagine, if you can think about somebody like pressing into someone's face to sort of make a make a, a, a deep depression, like somebody from the back had just sucked his face in, and there was this huge crater there. And of course, he was as cleaned up as he could be, but you, it was difficult to make out the the image of a human face there mm-hmm, right so he was there his mom was sitting on a bed next to him we came into the room we tried to be as, as positive and upbeat as possible we launched right into this song called Chervona Ruta, which is like kind of a ukrainian national song the kids did great they smiled we sang for him we uh we we thanked him for his service we left a good and evil while we were singing uh volunteers who work with the radakivsky uh, organization they were coming in with some of the barbecue that they had on a cart they were rolling it down the hall they came in and served food and then we went out and we were only in there for a few minutes we went out to the next room and from room to room we would go in we would get all the kids uh, you know as situated as we could we'd sing our songs the volunteers would serve the food as we finished the song then nathan and bill would come in with the good and evil books hand them to the soldiers, and then we were off to the next room. Um, and I also noticed that it it was encouraging to the men. You know, they, was. they would get out their phones and, and they'd take video and stuff. But it was also encouraging. You have caretakers in there who are family members of the men. So yeah. a lot of times you have a mom or a, a female. And some of those would kind of look at me just with tears running down their eye, you know, their faces. And mm-hmm. um, you could tell, it, I think it meant something to them too, that, you know, that we came in and visited and they're the ones maybe even suffering who knows you know they're suffering a lot too so yeah it's it's not easy um the the first guy that we visited the guy who'd who'd lost his face um his mom was sitting there and i mean we i don't think Mm -hmm. we'd gotten halfway through that song before Mm -hmm. she was just weeping yeah 
Um, and yeah. it's it's impossible to even really comprehend the the grief that those people are are experiencing. Yeah. Um, but what we can do is give them Christ. We can give them the gospel. We can minister to them as the Lord opens doors. So. Anyway, we went door to door through the hospital, sang in I don't know how many rooms and gave out good needle books and talked to the guys and did the best we could. And and the great thing for me, at least, was too, was having all the kids with us. I love that we were able to do this with our family. We we are not just missionaries. We are family missionaries, which is a little different. There are some missionaries who are single and you know they can be extreme and hike across the desert and sleep under a bridge. We don't do that. We have a family with small kids. And so we have to be choosy. We have to be careful with what we do. But this was a fantastic opportunity to take our kids, to sing together and minister the gospel to these soldiers. Um, and after we did the door-to-door uh, outreach, we uh, we were initially not slated to be part of the main concert on the grounds. Um, but as we walked out, they grabbed us and said, "Hey, would you would you join us and like sing a few songs for the for the guys on the stage?" So we ended up on the stage with several uh, like Ukrainian musicians. Yeah. We did a couple of our own songs. We sang together with them at the end. Yeah, for better or for worse, we we. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, it, was it was for better. better. It was it was good, but it was it was. It was a big uh, event, and yeah. we ended up staying through that. We were we were there quite late, yeah. and the kids got tired, but it was good. Um, uh, again, we were just able to rub shoulders with these people, um, you know, share the gospel with them, minister to them as best we could. Um, and then at, we also were able to do a third concert that was up in the city of Radekhiv. That's the city north of Lviv where this Radekhiv organization is based. And it turns out their city had had a, was planning a festival. It was like the, the city birthday or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they invited us to come and do our full program up there. We're, there were other musicians, but we we had by far the bulk of the music program. Um, and so we did our same thing. We sang our songs. We had commentary in between. We shared the Lord. And we um, uh, we handed out good evils. I think I think at that point we handed out like ten boxes of good evils. We had set up a a table. This was this was an outdoor event. We had set up a table um, to the side of the area where the stage was. And of course we had Nathan and Bill with us. Our whole family was there. And again we had our support team from the church, a bunch of folks from the Greater Grace Church here in Lviv that had come with us, and they were helping with with equipment and with handing out the good evil books and. It was super hot. We were, we were just pouring sweat. I think it was the hottest day of the year. <laughs> it might have been. I was <laughs> even for this area. It was just unseasonably warm. But nonetheless, it was a great outreach opportunity. So to wrap that up, that was a bit long. But to to kind of sum that up, uh, we felt like the concert ministry was a big was a big success. We we're grateful for the opportunities that we had. Thank you all of you that were praying for us. Um, and we'll see where this goes. There are definitely more doors open for future concerts if desired. We uh, we learned that as great as concerts are, they are tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I have new respect for these families that you know that their whole family mm-hmm. does music and they sing in Branson or whatever. Like you may have heard of the Wisman family or different ones like that that travel around. That is not easy. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not easy from the standpoint of trying to you know do your music with skill and sing well and sing on key and all that <laughs> stuff. But just getting everybody in costume and getting to the event and getting all the gear there and the instruments and getting things hooked up. And practicing um, every day in and, advance of that. Yes, yeah. and practicing. It, it is a massive, massive effort. So we're having to be careful and sort of measure 
uh, our our energies there and take take small children into consideration. But um, definitely, uh, it was a positive experience, and there are there are open doors there in the future if God leads us to continue that ministry later this year or next year. We'll see how that goes. And to wrap up um, with CMO, uh, in addition to the concerts, we did a lot of the usual stuff. We put out you know, our tracks and, and invites for Good and Evil books. Um, we did camping and outreach in the mountains. And if you'd like more specifics on what we accomplished during the CMO 2023 project, please check out our site for Euroteam Outreach. That is euroteamoutreach.org slash blog. And of course, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes. But during the CMO projects, we always put out the um, the updates. We call them the e-reports, and they go out on the ETO site. So that, again, is euroteamoutreach.org slash blog, and you'll be able to find all the reports that were put out during the project, and they have more details about, about everything that was accomplished. Well, let's take a quick look at what is happening with the good and evil books. Um, you might remember that printing we did last year of 15,000 yes. books. Um, I think we don't have even half of that left. So Josh, tell us the stats there. Yes, it's, that's been an exciting ministry. So as a reminder to our listeners, Good and Evil is a graphic novel that presents the gospel through illustrated Bible stories. You might think of it as a Bible comic. Now, one area that it differs from maybe other Bible comics that you've seen is it doesn't attempt to just be a picture Bible. In other words, it didn't just try to take the whole Bible and illustrate all the main stories as best they could and present them in picture form. Those are great. Um, you may have seen like the Action Bible. There's different ones. Good and Evil is a bit different. It is laid out chronologically, so when you open it, it reads kind of like a Bible in terms of the order, but they don't necessarily try to include all of the stories. In fact, there are some significant ones, notably uh, David and Goliath, I think there are others that are not present. What they did is they took major Bible stories going from creation and Genesis all the way through the New Testament church, and they stitched them together so as to maximize the potential for presenting Christ as the Messiah. Um, and the book is like 320 pages long. If you've not seen it, it's absolutely fantastic. It's illustrated by a formal Marvel Comics artist, a guy named Danny Bulinati. Um, it, I think it took like something like seven years to create the initial English version, and then it's been translated into a whole bunch of languages. It's a great missionary tool. We uh, we first did a Ukrainian translation and printing of it way back in 2008 when it was still black and white. Then later they colorized it. We did another printing in color in late, uh, I want to say it was late 2017, early 2018. And when war broke out in 2022, we still had a decent amount of those books on hand. But as the as the war progressed, the, the rate at which those books were going out really accelerated. So No Greater Joy contacted us and uh, they said, hey, we want to try to do a new printing and uh, let's see if we can get that together. So to condense the story down, we did a special edition 2022 um, version of the Good and Evil book in Ukrainian. Um, it's the same content as any Good and Evil book, but it has a, a foreword and it has kind of this Ukrainian flag ribbon going across the cover, and it and it, and it openly acknowledges you know the 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 plight and the the war that Ukraine is going through right now. But we printed 15,000 copies way back in or in late uh, 2022. And as of today, we now have 80 uh, registered distributors that are helping us get this book out across Ukraine. Uh, we knew at the time that if we relied on our own efforts just to, to do all the distribution, it would take forever to get that many books out. We wouldn't be as effective. So we set up a distribution program, and we've reached out to churches and missionaries and anybody in Ukraine 
um, that wants to help us distribute good and evil books, they can go through a registration form, they can register with us as a distributor, and then we have a system where we send them quantities of books, and then they provide us with uh, basically like photos uh, of the events that they do and an explanation of how they're using the books in ministry. Um, and we have several distributors that are repeat customers. They come back and get more books. They go and pass them out. We have about 80 registered distributors now. Um, and as of October 5th, which is just a, a week or so before this recording, a couple of weeks before this recording, we have now shipped out over what is about 459 cases of books. That's over 18,000, or not 18, excuse me, that's over 8,000 books that have been shipped out. So that's like Kelsey yeah. said at the beginning, that is significantly over the halfway mark of our uh, original original printing. I also wanna again, uh, give a major shout out to Yura Patriv and Tanya Harasimova. These are two Ukrainian folks that are in our church and they are the ones that are mainly responsible for interfacing with a distributor. So when a distributor fills out our form, and let's say they request you know, five cases of good and evil books for an outreach that they're doing uh, in a hospital or a, at a children's event or something. Um, so that request will come through. Tanya Harasimova, she is the one that initially gets those requests. Mm -hmm. She verifies them. Sometimes if there's questions or irregularities, she'll contact me. Um, but she processes those requests. And then Yura Patriv is still driving our old yellow van that we used to have. And he's the one that goes out to the warehouse, picks up the books for various orders and uh, gets them shipped out. And so um, these folks have been doing a, a fantastic job and we're excited to see these books going all across Ukraine and people, people that get these into their hands uh, really have something you might could think of as the granddaddy of gospel tracks. Once you get one of these books in your hands, it's hard to get rid of it. It's a big book, yeah. it's nice. Um, I recently had a, a, a meeting with a couple of journalists here and I was showing them the Good and Evil book and I, I don't think these people were particularly believers, but when I, I handed this one lady the book, she just turned it over and over again in her hand, and she said, "Wow, this is this is really mm -hmm. nice. How many of these do you have?" And she made um, a comment like that the Bible seemed a bit inaccessible to her. Like maybe she didn't know where to get started, right. if she were to open it or whatever. But this would be something that could really get your interest, and yeah, and that's kind of. And we, for folks. and we've we've used good and evil for many years in our ministry. And what we tend to do is kind of tag team with a combination of the good and evil book and our Bible First program. Some people more naturally start out with Bible First for depending on how they came across our ministry or whatever. And then after they get to a certain lesson, once they've shown some interest, we'll try to get them a Bible a um, a good and evil book. book. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it goes the other way. Someone will find the good and evil book first, and there is a, an advertisement in the back for someone to sign up for our Bible First correspondence course. So. We use them together, and uh, it's a great combination. They're both great tools for uh, getting the gospel to people um, wherever they are. So anyway, keep praying for the Good and Evil outreach. We're excited to see the progress and the gospel going forward through Good and Evil. Well, Joshua and I have conversed a lot about future plans for the ministry recently, and we were able to get a few days off in Krakow, Poland, um, and also in addition, a few other quiet days to just think or pray or talk, whether that was just Joshua or, or the two of us or what have you. And we've discussed a lot of ideas. And so one of the things that we're excited about is making improvements and expanding our Bible First online ministry. 
Right. So I want to talk in this section just about kind of what's next in general for our ministry. Um, firstly, as, as Kelsey mentioned, uh, the core of what we do here in Ukraine in terms of gospel outreach still remains our Bible First program. When we pass out tracts or talk to people or do concerts or whatever we do, we're always trying to kind of funnel people back to our Bible First correspondence course. And the reason for that is that once we can enroll someone in Bible First, that gives us a connection, usually a long-term connection with that person, and it sort of creates a platform that helps us more effectively communicate the gospel. In addition, if you know anything about the history of our Bible First program, you know that we've opened it up several years ago for other ministries to use, and that has continued to grow. Most recently, we've had the Bible First French project um, open up with cooperation uh, in cooperation with some missionaries that are in Africa who are using it amongst uh, French-speaking people there. Um, but the Bible First program is complex. There's the co- there's the content itself, the lessons. There's the web application. There's mm-hmm. the print version. There's a lot of moving parts, and we have a small team. Again, we are family missionaries. <laughs> we have, yeah. uh, in addition to ministry and writing lessons and doing web development and singing concerts, uh, we have little kids that need to be read a story, and we have messes to clean, and we have long conversations and family Bible times and homeschooling and all the rest. Um, so it, you know, things do take time, but there are some specific areas that we've identified with Bible first that we'd like to develop it further and to expand it. We hope at some point to actually add more material, but in the near term, there are some specific, um, enhancements and improvements to our, our online platform that we'd like to make that we think will, will help increase uh, participation and make Bible first more accessible, more easy, more easy to use or easier to use. Uh, both in our ministry and for other people's ministry. So Bible First development and improvement and expansion is definitely on the menu coming up. Um, another th- another area that we're focusing on is uh, ministry with our local church. And in recent years, we've really grown close to this body of believers uh, that's here in Lviv. And these are folks that I've been with since the very, very beginning when I first came to you to Lviv, at least back in 2001. Um, and especially with the onset of war, there's, there are so many needs and so many opportunities for ministry. So we're excited about, um, about ministry opportunities together with our local church here. Another area uh, that we've mentioned already, but I'll bring it up again, is the potential for more musical concerts. We still have our gear. Uh, we haven't forgotten how to sing or play our instruments. Um, and there are definitely open doors to that. So we're going to see. Uh, and as the Lord leads us, we're, we're optimistic that there will be uh, more opportunities for us to do ministry as a family through music to Ukrainians uh, in the months uh, to come. And then lastly, another another ministry front that's kind of uh, on tap for the fall is parenting and family seminars. As, as our family has grown and our kids have gotten older, uh, we tend to get contacted more and more frequently uh, by you know, churches and different groups that are wanting us to come and talk about parenting or talk about a marriage and our relationship. And we have a, we have a retreat uh, coming up this month with our church where we'll, we've been asked to do uh, some speaking and some sessions on, um, on marriage. Um, we also have a church that's asked us to come again and share our courtship story. That's a popular one. In fact, if you haven't read that, if you're not familiar with it, you can check it out on our blog. Uh, if I can remember, I'll try to leave a link to that one in the show notes as well. Uh, the story of how God brought Kelsey and I together. And it's a story that we think is glorifying to the Lord. And it's an encouragement to others. We love to share it. And there, there are groups that like to have us come and, and tell about that in Ukrainian. Um, our, uh, our, the school that's part of our church here, or that's in our church, 
um, they're looking at having us come and do a little session on parenting with some of the student, uh, with some of the uh, the parents of the students that go to the school. So lots of different parenting and family seminars, things like that have potential coming up in the future. And so that's just an overview of some of the things that are on tap, maybe for the next few months to the year. Um, please keep praying for us that God would give us wisdom and direction to choose the right things. I think we're at that stage where there is a whole variety of things that we could do, and we feel the need for wisdom to make to make solid choices mm-hmm. on the things that are the best, the best way to get the gospel out, the best way to reach people, the best way to support them and minister to them, especially in this time of war, the best way to continue blessing and ministering to our own family uh, as we live here in Ukraine on the field. Um, so anyway, that's a quick overview of what's next in our ministry. We really appreciate your prayers. Right, so we're going to be talking a little about the war in the next section here. And yesterday, our family was reading in Psalms for our family Bible time, and I was struck by two verses that actually were in separate chapters, and but both of them attributed making war to cease to God. So God was attributed with making war to cease. One of them was in Psalm 46, where it says that phrase, he maketh wars to cease, he breaketh the bow, he cutteth the spear, he burneth the chariot in the fire. And then we flipped over to our next Psalm, which was 30 Psalms forward, Psalm 76. And this verse kind of jumped out at me. It said, there break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword and the battle. Mm. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, it's interesting because many times when people see evil happening, the first thing they want to do is blame God for letting that happen and wonder what he's up to. But I thought that it was interesting here that on the contrary, God gets the credit for making wars to cease. And obviously there's a lot of upheaval in our world right now with Israel at war, of course, Ukraine at war. And I think it's appropriate that we as Christians be asking God to do what, according to these passages, belongs to him to do, and that is to make these wars to cease. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Joshua, tell us some of the latest regarding the war in Ukraine and what's been going on. Yeah. So lately, thankfully, uh, the missile strikes have quieted in Lviv. We haven't had a strike here, or we haven't had like an air raid alert for something like three weeks, which is, it's one of those moments like in the films where they say it's quiet, too quiet. Mm. Uh, And people are suspicious. They know that Russia's up to something. Uh, We are expecting more missile missile strikes, especially in the winter months. Uh, One of the leading theories is that Russia is kind of saving up their missiles for barrages that will come through the winter. Regardless, winter will be tough. We expect frequent power outages. Even if Russia does nothing to strike any new uh, plants or transformers or substations, the damage from last year to the power grid is still not fully repaired. And that means that load shedding will likely be required. If you're not familiar with the term load shedding, um, talk to the people in South Africa. I actually have a good friend who's in South Africa, and as we were researching some uh, some power station or like like home power alternatives for the winter, and I was looking at it on YouTube, I kept coming across these guys from South Africa, and when I looked into it, I realized, uh, and I've heard this from my friend there too, what's going on is that because of mismanagement, the power grid there can't handle the normal full load of electricity for all the consumers that they have. And so they practice something called load shedding, which means they 
they spread the power around. So these people have power while these other people don't, and then they rotate. And that's to keep the grid from being overloaded. Now, in South Africa, the problems there are largely because of corruption and mismanagement. In Ukraine, the reason we have to practice load shedding, at least in the winter, is because someone is shooting cruise missiles at as many Ukrainian transformers as they mm -hmm. can hit. Now, the problem, one of the problems is for people like us who live in apartments, we can't use traditional generators. You know, a diesel generator wouldn't do much good for us in terms of running things in our home because you can't run a diesel generator inside an apartment. It's a, it's a fire risk. Um, so as an alternative, uh, many people are purchasing battery-operated power stations. And these are, you might think of them as like glorified power banks that you'd plug your phone into. Um, but they're, they're, they're larger. They're like larger than a shoebox, maybe closer to a, a big tackle box size. Um, and the, we, we were able to get one of these recently. Uh, and ours has a couple of electrical outlets in it. It has several USB outlets. It has like a kind of a cigarette lighter style car charger. Um, and depending on what you're running, it can run small appliances for several hours. Now, we won't be able to like run our dryer or our big heater or stove or anything that pulls a lot like that. But computers, small heaters, fans, uh, small lights, things like that can be plugged into it. So we're grateful to have that little power station. A lot of people are making preparations like that in anticipation of uh, a rise in attacks over the winter months. Now, as we move on here, I want to remind everybody that Russia is very good at promoting disinformation about the war. As time has progressed, um, it's been concerning to us some of the comments and the news that we hear coming back from the West, from European countries, from the United States, uh, that we know is largely a result of Russian disinformation campaign. Um, Russia's best hope of winning is to turn American public opinion against Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Because if America and NATO countries stop supporting Ukraine, if they switch to the idea that, well, Ukraine is disposable, Ukraine is somebody else's problem, it's not important for us, that's all Russia needs. It's that classic adage, the only thing needed for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And so they are adamantly pursuing that avenue. And I would say, militarily speaking, strategically speaking, of everything Russia is trying, the disinformation campaign is probably the thing that's working the best. Mm. They're not doing well in the battlefield. They recently had a major, you may have read about it in the news, there was a major offensive um, from the Russians in a town called Avdivka, which is way in the east. It's just uh, very close to the Donetsk area. Um, they lost thousands of soldiers, hundreds of vehicles, and in essence gained no ground, nothing to speak of. But they are very, very good at lying. They're very good at deception, at disinformation. They have a long, long history. If you want to read about the KGB and the NKVD before that, disinformation and deception is the hallmark of Russian aggression. And for those of us, like say American missionaries who live here in Ukraine, we are often shocked at the things that we hear Americans saying about Ukraine and about the war, about Zelensky and all kinds of crazy, crazy theories. Now, I want to stress, we are also not immune to disinformation. We don't, even though we're in Ukraine, we don't see everything. We also read the news. Uh, we have to be careful. Um, but we do have the distinct advantage of living here in country and watching events unfold with our own eyes. Um, we have direct connections with people who are fighting on the front lines. Um, we speak the language. We see the reactions. We're here during the air raids. We listen to the missiles coming in and we hear the explosions. We are close to the metal, uh, quite literally. Sadly, much of the disinformation that's being circulated right now in the U.S. seems to be coming from conservative news sources. And this has been perplexing. People 
that um, that we have long trusted on other issues, social issues, political issues, are saying things that we know to be falsehoods uh, in Ukraine. And I won't dive into the politics here, but let me just say, be careful whom you believe. Just because you followed a news personality for a long time and you like what they have to say about various political issues, maybe maybe they're pro-life and that's fantastic or whatever other issue, that doesn't mean they have it right on Ukraine. You don't have to watch something like Russia Today to get the Kool-Aid, so to speak. There are plenty of conservative news outlets that are happy to serve that Kool-Aid to you if you'll drink it. So use discretion, be careful, check your sources. Don't write off a news source just because you don't agree with their politics in other areas. Yes, we know Ukraine struggles with corruption. That's probably one of the biggest things we, we see brought up. Believe me, we who are missionaries that live here in Ukraine, Ukrainian corruption is something that we have fought and lived with for many years. I will also say the Ukrainians themselves know about corruption. They're, they don't deny that. They struggle with it too. Uh, they are fighting with it. They don't like it. Um, but just because Ukraine is corrupt, that does not justify what Russia is doing. Mm -hmm. It does not mean the Ukrainian cause is not legitimate. If you want the simple truth about the war from someone who is here on the ground, who witnesses it day in and day out with my own eyes, the simple truth about the war is this. The Russian empire, led by one of the most evil despots of the past hundred years, has invaded its much smaller neighbor, Ukraine. Ukraine. Putin and his thugs are raining down death and destruction, quite literally, on innocent people every single day. Mm -hmm. They are doing their very best to tear apart this land. Folks, this is not some kind of, quote, territorial dispute, as I heard one American politician comment recently. This is genocide. Russia openly denies the very existence of a legitimate Ukrainian ethnicity. You know, this is not like Japan and South Korea squabbling over who owns an island in the Pacific. This is one country doing their very best to stamp out the existence of an entire ethnicity of people. Mm -hmm. The Russians' goal is to eradicate Ukrainians anywhere they can. Mm -hmm. Now, our purpose, meaning our family, our ministry, ETO, our purpose as always is to point people to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we also try to help and support those who are fighting desperately for their homes, for their families, for their very lives. You cannot be in the middle of a conflict like this and not take sides. To do nothing is to support evil. Mm -hmm. So I wanna just say we are grateful for every bit of military and financial aid that the US and other countries are sending. It's keeping us alive, quite literally. If you're concerned about the money that the United States is sending to support Ukraine, I understand that. You have a right to be concerned. I am a huge supporter of fiscal responsibility in Congress and those kinds of things. I know there's a big conversation to be had there. I know that accountability is important. Uh, I don't deny any of that. But again, without devolving into a big discussion about politics, let me just say, if you are concerned about that, remember that those funds that are going to send Patriot missiles and Javelins and HIMARS, those are keeping us alive. It is largely because of that support that Lviv and Kyiv and cities like mm -hmm. that remain in Ukrainian hands today, that our family is even able to be here at all spreading the gospel. If the aid stops, Russia will win. Evil will win. If the aid continues, Russia's war effort will likely collapse, will eventually collapse, and Ukrainians will have a new chance at what we all consider to be American ideals, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
All right. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up the 25th and final episode of the Journey to Ukraine podcast. And this episode is entitled Loving Ukraine. So Joshua, I know you have a few uh, closing thoughts for us that have to do with that title. Yes. So in John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, we read these words, for God so loved the world. And it's interesting because if you think about it, depending on the context, we're used to speaking about the world as something to be avoided, something bad or sinful or deceptive. It's The world is the opposite of what is spiritual, spiritual and eternal. But God, in his love and mercy, looked at our evil, dark world, and he loved it. Not the sin, not the darkness, but the people. God loved the souls of the world, and he manifested that love by giving himself to save us. Now, scripture is very clear that we are to follow his example in loving others. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He never condoned their sin, but neither did he denigrate them. Neither did he push them away or hold them at arm's length. He invited them to lunch. He would go to their houses. He talked to them. He would encourage them. He said things like, your faith has made you whole. Go and sin no more. Ukraine is not a perfect nation. No nation is. Ukraine is a worldly kingdom like any other, and it has plenty of corruption and other problems. But we love this land, and we love these people, and we want them to find eternal life through our Savior. Some of the best, smartest, most godly people I know are Ukrainians. And this is their hour of need. Every day, we see them struggle. We see them fight and die. And every day, we pray that God will bring deliverance. Now, our family is committed to serving Christ in Ukraine for as long as we can, for as long as he leads us. That's always been our position. When people ask us, how long will you be in Ukraine? Our answer is always, for as long as God keeps us here. And that remains true today. We are so grateful for the personal support that we have received in our efforts and also for the national support that Ukraine has received and is receiving from the United States, from NATO countries and others. Again, I say the air defense systems keep our family and so many others alive and safe from Russian missiles and other attacks. We believe in the Ukrainian cause for the same reason we believe in the American cause. Life and liberty are of God. Death and and tyranny are of Satan. We pray for peace and liberty in Ukraine. Please stay with us, pray with us, and help us to show the love of Christ, the gospel of Christ, to the people of Ukraine. Pray for peace, pray for liberty, and for victory over the oppressor. I just want to say as we close out this episode, thank you again so much for listening to our podcast for all this time, for all the episodes and the reports that we've done. Thank you for walking with us on our journey to Ukraine. We are here. We are trusting God. We are preaching the gospel of Christ, and we are loving Ukrainians as best we know how. Enjoy your freedom today. Thank God for your peaceful sky and say it with us. May God bless Ukraine. Нехай Бог благословить Україну.